Hansen, this is the Two Can Neko podcast. Hello and welcome. <laughs> you know, we're, we're recording this on Logic, and whenever you press record on the Logic, on the Logic, um, it gives you a nice metronome for four, for four beats per Yeah, bar. it gives you like a metronome intro, so the temptation to speak in time is too mm. strong for me. As you just noticed at the start <laughs> I do it every single time that yeah. we do this. <laughs> we normally cut it out, but this time it's staying. <laughs> Maybe you'll learn your lesson then, I'm James. I'm a creature of habit. <laughs> So, how are we doing? Good, 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 how are you? Good, good. We're coming to you from a gloriously lit podcast studio here <laughs> in Toucan Towers. So well lit we didn't film it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for ourselves. We've even got a random mic here that's just pointed at us but isn't plugged in. Uh, it's completely lost on the podcast listeners, they can't mm. join in on this joke. But we just did a live stream and everything's still set up for it. Mm. And we're like, just yeah. sitting next to the mic I used on the live stream. So it looks like it's miking us up, but really it's, it's just decor. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be in the thumbnail or something for this post. <laughs> <Yeah>. um. <laughs> the thumbnails is what people come for. Yeah, but yeah. Our, our lighting, I mean, okay, a couple of things to mention. First of all, I said podcast studio. We don't actually have a podcast studio, however good that would be. We've got a podcast studio slash live stream room slash video studio slash music studio slash living room. The most versatile living room in West London, we like to call it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about this room that doubles up at ev- as everything. We've done everything musical yeah. in here. So, that's the first point. Second point is the lighting again. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it's so nice. We've got, so we, we bought some um, LED smart bulbs, which we can adjust to make flash all sorts of different colors. Uh, and we've got one flashing between uh, red, blue, and green, and we've got mm. one red, and it seems to be working nicely. And also, we've got a um, an LED light. I don't know what to call it, but it's a bright light for filming. Ooh. Um, what would you call it, James? Damn, it's got. Because um, like YouTubers use them, sort of makeup yeah. um, yeah. people who have like close-ups. They use. Yeah. It. Re- 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 hair, not. It's not hair light. It's like a. Ring, well, they use ring lights, which are similar. Yeah. This is like a big ring light, I guess. But they yeah. just they put a light light on top of the camera, like beam right in their face. Yeah. They get weird eyes. Hmm. So if you ever notice YouTubers who've got like weird yeah. white spots yeah. on their eyes, it's because they've got a light like, light right light in their face. face. So um, it's like that. Comes <laughs> <laughs> with a stand as well. Yeah. It's very professional. So I was um, I was just doing my job, my, my my normal nine to five work, and I was on the phone to my boss, and I was like, oh yeah, we've been doing live streams and stuff from my flat, and he was like, oh, I've got a light. <laughs> I've got a light that you can have, and um, he brought it around earlier today. So um, we've now got a nice, expensive light, which is casting a glorious golden mm. shade across the uh, podcast studio. Casting shade. <laughs> they, glorious golden. Lights 101. They, they cast light and cause shade. Right, I'm new to this. We've only got it this evening. <laughs> Just getting in with the light terminology. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man. So what do we want to talk about? We've got a few things going on to Echo wise Oh yeah, the content train is back out the station, mm. which is which is how we talk about just posting regularly on Facebook and Insta. Um, I haven't noticed that, but we we always call it the content train. That's now <laughs> the content just train what it's called. Um, I mean, oh, I'm losing track of time, but I think it was last weekend we had sort of a chat about what we wanted to do next and what like ne- our big next launch is going to be, what the next big thing we're working towards. And mm. I think that's still coming. Um, like the album or singles are like, are on their way, but we kind of, we, we wanted to avoid the peaks and troughs, I guess. Like we, we just wanted to regularly make songs and content and stuff for the time being. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so, so what normally happens when we kind of plan a big release is we spend loads of time 
kind of working on this big thing like the um for example the jam experience to knacker.com mm-hmm. um and <laughs> um we just spent ages working on this thing and we just disappear from socials entirely and we don't build up that kind of momentum that you get from posting every day mm. um so that's that's what we mean by the peaks and troughs is we mm. have a big peak where we have a big release going on and then we have a trough where we just go into silence while we build the next big release we want to stop that and that's what the uh Tukaneko content train is doing right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we're just like, well, how about at least for a month or however long it sort of takes to establish it as a habit, like, let's just put out stuff and not try and package it up in big releases because, yeah, they inherently have, like, a peak of marketing and a peak of us doing shitloads of content and then, like, we, we get exhausted <laughs> from <laughs> the amount of what we have to do on top of that to make something like the jam experience happen, so... Yeah. Um, and it feels, uh, feels good so far, like, I'm, I'm kind of blown away that even in this lockdown that we're in now in the UK, where, like, you can't leave your house, um, it's, we still feel as active as ever, like, um, it feels like when we're kind of, as long as, you know, we all get through this okay, and, like, we get released out in the summertime, and we can go back and do our practice room jams and gigs and that kind of thing, like, Matt, like... It feels like that's just going to be even, even more than we, like. It's hard to imagine doing even more than we do now because like we've got such a good amount happening, like even confined to our own home. Mm. So lockdown two is very uh, three, three, two, lockdown three, three, very different to lockdown one where it felt because we were in separate houses. It felt like band progress was stagnating a little bit. Yeah, we, so, we still we did all right considering the circumstances, but yeah, it felt um, impeded. Mm. impeded by the situation impeded. I mean I still feel impeded I'm going to be mm. honest I feel impeded but we are doing our best mm. um, notably this, this is a live stream setup that we have um, and to die for oh, it's, <laughs> this, it may seem like such a small thing to the normal person but to get a live stream with electronic drums and guitar and mic mm. set up video all synced perfectly and uploading to Facebook or whatever live stream platform you mm. use is a mission it's, it's hard. so hard and yeah. like getting good video quality as well oh we have spent months figuring this did we talk about this on the last podcast i feel like we've been here for ages this is, <laughs> this is like a new unit yeah <laughs> yeah the unit saga so um oh we've um we're, we're both thrilled that we've sorted out the live stream yeah check it out we're doing it at least twice a week mm. um no schedule yet we're still trying to figure that out but mm. twice a week we've been so, um, so just stay on Facebook 24-7 <laughs> and you'll probably catch us twice at some point. It's yeah. usually in the evening and it's usually like midweek, Wednesday, Thursday yeah. and weekend, probably Sunday mm. um, is, is when we've been doing it so far. But mm. man, it feels great. It feels like a gig, you know? Yeah. Um, I get a little bit nervous before it. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite easy to forget in lockdowns or, or even like not in lockdowns, but just when you're doing the stuff around the music you forget like what kind of a bliss that the music brings like just just locking in and like playing mm. a song and kind of losing losing yourself a bit in like in playing um sometimes i have to sort of make myself not think like i, I get too conscious at a moment in a song and i go like i stop i literally had it today i was playing one of our old songs where you have to think a little bit more because you're like mm, what, what was the chord again <laughs> and, I was like, and i was like oh i'm being too been too focused here because I just need to set back into the like the automatic me's got this. Mm. Um, I just need to sort of sit in a place where I can 
enjoy it playing because I don't need to consciously like think about what I'm doing, especially for old songs. Such a nice place to sit when you're in a song and you're meditating mm. and you're not really thinking about what you're playing and you just go, go with mm. the flow, go with the flow. Mm. I'll definitely have that. I have that on live streams as well because like at gigs I feel more conscious of the audience I guess. Mm. Um, I'm very aware that they're like there watching yeah. um, and I feel a sort of responsibility to them all the time of are we performing enough, am I singing to it? Like there's a bit more uh, sort of willingness to try and please the audience. And not that it's there on the live stream but they're separated by like another layer. Mm. So you feel a bit more that you're just performing for performance sake and it's just getting beamed out as it is. Mm. Um, did I just say live streams are better than gigs? No. Mm. Don't think no. so. But, but I mean the thing is yeah, gig, gig, gigs, the audience is there, which means you can't get into your zone as much. At least we haven't yet figured out how mm. to get into the zone in a gig. We probably just haven't but done it enough. Yeah, the fact that the audience is there, like, it just makes it a more extreme mm. version of a live stream. It's like mm. the kind of adrenaline's high before you go on, and then you can get on stage, and the people are there, and they're sort of mm. cheering at you, and cheering at yeah! you. Yeah! <laughs> cheering at you. Yeah. <laughs> they're cheering for you, and um, you're playing the music, and sometimes they like it, mm. and... That is sometimes they do. That is peak life. That's as yeah. good as it gets. So live streams are sort of. I need to. I need to sort this out, James, because I'm sure the, the listeners can hear. And um, we roasted some potatoes. <laughs> yeah, luckily we didn't have that on the podcast. The old rice potato incident. Um, anyway, podcast. It's nice to uh, nice to have you back here. This is James from Two Kaneko. Um It's. Uh, We've literally just come off doing a doing a live stream, so um, that's on our minds. Hence why we're we're talking about it. Um, it was good. I recommend you check it out. Go over to facebook.com forward slash Tukaneko. Uh, you will see us there doing the live stream. Um, you won't obviously be able to see it live, but you can see the recording of it. Um, a bit more of a chilled vibe today, I'd say, than last last week. And the main the main selling point for this live stream is the lighting. <laughs> so. <laughs> Take these smart bulbs. Like, I was a late coming to the smart home, but they're great. They're so good. Yeah, like, I, highly recommend. I it. want to fit all rooms I'm ever in with smart bulbs. Mm. Like I'll take them around with me in a case and just replace bulbs as I go, because the control you get over like Atmos. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm on a movie set some of the time. So like, nice. We're just here listening to vinyl. We're like bathed in sort of purple light. Oh, um, glory! Like. It can change your mood, just mm. like the colour of the lighting, plus like the music and other things. Um, makes you wonder why we just, we've got this available, yet we sit with boring old tungsten light, or whatever you call it. The tungsten light, that sounds so 80s. It probably is. Probably, yeah. It's probably like a really old school light. I mean, I, I, I don't have a great knowledge Halogen. of Halogen. Halogen, yeah. I mean, I'm going to Google tungsten light. That must be a is thing. It, is it like a street light? No. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. While I Google this, I can embarrass myself with tungsten light. While I Google we'll this, we we can um we can no we're not gonna edit this. We can edit stays. anything. Oh, that was a joke. <laughs> We've never edited anything out of the podcast. Um, so how to use tungsten light? And, anyway, we recorded a song. No, we recorded a music video this week. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. So um, our song "Digital Native" that's coming out soon. Stay tuned. I reckon it's coming out this week. Close. Do you reckon? This week, yeah. We haven't got artwork for it yet. Yeah. So they want to make us, someone on the podcast who's listening, make us smart work and we will <laughs> use it. 
James. Anyone. <laughs> the first person to email us a square JPEG, we will put on the artwork. <laughs> we'll put anything on there. <laughs> <laughs> It'll go out. If you listen to the podcast, on you Spotify. have control over artistic direction. Um, yeah, maybe we should talk a bit about that, like the the new songs coming out, the new video, like the the inspiration behind it. I mean, I'll talk a bit about the song, and then. You want to talk a bit about the video, I guess? Yeah, I mean, um, I've, I've got a number of interludes we can sort of do. We've got the kind of... Uh, the interludes will come later, so... You'll you find out what they are in a second. <laughs> but let's good. talk about the song. <laughs> and when it gets a bit d- deep, we'll um, have a nice palate cleanser of a light-hearted, Harry-driven yeah. interlude. Yeah, so the song is called Digital Native, which arose from me just obviously hearing it in a conversation or reading it in an article or something and kind of tagging it as a line. So, when you're properly into writing songs, you've always got like an antenna um, up for titles, words, phrases, way people say things. Um, if I'm really in like writing mode, like sometimes I've got a backlog and I'm not really looking for as many new songs and sometimes I'm starting afresh and I'm really like out there, out there seeking little sort of fragments of songs that are out there in the world. Um, and I don't remember where I got Digital Native from, but it's kind of on this like list of stuff that I... Um, that I keep, along with Monkey Software and <laughs> other Lightning Gum and other completely stupid song titles that can never get used. All the other ones that we came up with today. Uh, there were some quite good ones. I, I swear there were some quite good ones. Uh, I don't remember. There was something about Angry Buddha or something. Oh yeah, Mean Buddha. <laughs> mean Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> but then we decided that would be too much And we said we'd never talk of it. Um, I do it all the time where I just go, that'd be a good album title. Can't help it. Anyway, um, so Digital Native just started from a title. Um, and I, I remember coming up with the riff because I was just um, I was plugged into the 2Rock, which is a beautiful sounding amplifier that I own. Um, and I was playing, just playing with this riff. And honestly, it came out pretty much as is. Um, I heard someone call my name. Like, I, I changed the order around a little bit, but... Um, it's one of those ones that you come up with a song and you think it's a bit simplistic to actually use. Like, it's only basically uses three chords, maybe mm. four, and um, you didn't have to like study the melody too hard, and you didn't think about like all the different things you could do with it. It just like came out kind of as is. Um, mm. So, so yeah. Um, I, th- I think um, it's it's an interesting one that because. We were deciding which songs to record a few weekends ago, and we were just sort of like just flicking through our list of demos that we've got on our um, secret SoundCloud, um, which is also public, <laughs> but no one knows where it is. <laughs> um, and we were just flicking through these demos, and <clears throat> I'm like, oh, which one should we record today? We want to record a song. And James um, put the digital native demo on, and the bit that caught my attention was the, um, it was the chorus and the harmonies in the chorus. I was like, oh, that's cool, we should record that. I mean, it was sort of set on a whim because it caught my attention. I was like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Um, and James was like, all right. <laughs> so yeah. then we went on to tracking. <laughs> I always saw it as like a, a kind of demo or like a B-side, basically, of all the songs that I wrote last year. Um, it's one of the, I, I think I give it less attention because it wasn't even written. It just sort of appeared, and it's just sort of there. <laughs> like, it took no effort. Like Some of the ones that we're going to record later took fucking days of grind to get out of the song and so I feel like you know when you finish you're like, <laughs> like <laughs> beating your chest um, having defeated it but this one was just like it just 
kind of wandered in and it makes you feel like it's not good enough for a single, I guess, but um, <laughs> but that's what we recorded and it, it has something to it, I guess. Yeah, it does. Um, so, uh, it's it's hard. I, I wish I was better at like talking about what songs are about because so many of them come straight from your subconscious. Like, you have to post-interpret them um, and I kind of second-guess that, like, oh, maybe I'm just making up more meaning that wasn't there. But if you make up a song on the spot and words come out, like, they're coming from, you're not saying random words, because they're still forming sentences and stuff, but you're, you're not thinking about what you're saying, you're thinking about just how it matches up with the music and stuff. Um, so I don't know what it's about, like, I think in the video we've taken a bit of a technology angle, and I think there's a bit of that in there. Um, but, uh, first of all, the idea of digital native to me, like, brings about what it's like to be in this generation of people, so... Um, I think it's broader than just they're good at computers. It's, it it brings up the topic of... Uh, it, you might as well have said millennial or Gen Z or whatever you call You might as well have used that, but digital native is a bit of a kind of more interesting twist on, on the way of saying it, because obviously like the digital world is a big part of the lives of people who are our age. Um, and I don't think... Hopefully it doesn't like cast complete judgment on like whether Facebook is good or bad or whether people spend too much time on technology because I don't really have a strong um, I'm not strongly against it I guess um, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle I, I see the massive benefits that I wouldn't have had if Facebook or something wasn't there um, and I see the downsides and, and to be honest if, if people don't access the benefits which is often like growing your own um, or, or just pursuing your own interests in terms of like career and encountering things you would have encountered if people don't pursue that and all they do is like scroll and kind of let Facebook run the game like I can see how there's only downsides to it um, got to grab it, grab it by the scruff of the neck a little bit <laughs> um, but I think it's a wider thing of just paradox of choice um, as like a young person in a like digitally driven world um, and I think I said this to you, like access, basically access to more options and more like stories and versions of living life that you wouldn't have seen had you not kind of seen it all online. Um, try and phrase that better, but like in the past, I think you'd be quite defined by your experience in your hometown or by the people you knew. Um, but for better or for worse, now we can we can see thousands of different versions of how people live their lives, like different careers you could have different places you could travel, like, different everything, um, and that is, that has so many upsides, so many great things, so many ways you could inspire to go to a new place, or, um, try a new career, or, like, learn, get really into a hobby, you know, like, content creators now, like, will get me deeper into a hobby than I would do on my own, like, um, people, people's enthusiasm about, I don't know, certain guitar pickups or something, would make me like dive deep into that rabbit hole that I wouldn't have done of my own drive. So there's so many like good things about it, but also it it can also give like rise to meaningless because you've just got so much, so many options, and so like how can you possibly pick out of a thousand different mm. people you could be and paths you could take and be correct? Like you're you're just it, uh, assuming you're 
working on the basis that like one of them is the best mm. and that like that's the one you're supposed to be yeah. but you can get to this point yeah you've got a thousand options and 999 of them are suboptimal <laughs> I, I i think it um i feel like it's quite a bitter song you know because mm. it's like we've got this huge amount of abundance in this digital social media driven age mm. um and as you said that brings along the kind of paralysis with it it's like oh mm. what do I do with all this abundance um, mm. so it kind of feels quite bitter it's about frustration and um, thinking oh what am I going to do um, you don't know what it means to be a digital native trying to find my own two, own two feet I think is the lyric I can't mm. remember exactly but yeah, it's, it's, it's that it's sort fine of thing. beliefs it's stand own two <clears throat> feet yeah um, so with all this information coming at you how do you sort of define yourself and how do you pick from these things mm. um it's that and it's also um i mean it touches a bit on kind of isolation and stuff mm. which seems to be induced by it's like the kind of fake social interactions you have which mm. far too often replace real interactions mm. um which leads to a bit of isolation i mean mm. i know the line's very generic but um why does everything feel so far away mm. Um, in the bridge and that kind of mm. isolation despite being completely surrounded yeah. in people and interactions and yeah in many ways like a like screen is quite an intimate thing because it's it's like close to you and it's bringing stuff from around the world like right up to your face <laughs> and it's in your pocket and stuff but also yeah why does everything feel so it's so close but it's so far away it's not mm. like it's not tangible um, maybe it's a lockdown thing as well Maybe. I think I, I wrote it last year, though, which I... Oh, okay. I mean, maybe even the year before. I don't really remember. Um, but I think it was pre-COVID, maybe even. Wow. Um, I definitely made the demo last year. But I think the original idea was... Uh, I could probably look it up when it was. I think I've got the demo on my phone somewhere. Um, yeah. The only other thing I thought of is, like, linked to the thing of you've got a thousand different options, but, like, you don't know which one to take. Um, I think there's a hint of talking about how like older generations like judge our generation for that as well. So like, it, I don't think though. Can you tell me what it means to be a digital native? Is a hundred percent like. Um, I th there's a bit that's longing, but there's also a bit that, like, it feels like older generations judge us for having all these choice for having all this stuff and still not being happy. Forget what I mean. They kind of want to go. Look, my life's simple. I go for. I go for walks in the park and I, I, I read I, my I, books. I mean, so, I mean, so stereotyped <laughs> and so like, but the, I think the feeling I'm trying to get at is that like other generations kind of shit on our generation say, oh, look, you've got all this technology and stuff and you're still not happy. Um, but like, it's not as simple as that. Like, do, do you want, is happiness living without ambition, if you get what I mean? Oh, this is this this we we could go. Yeah, this and that's is, why I was a bit like. Is happiness living? Up, no, no, this is big... good. This is good. This is good. Is happiness living without ambition? I'm sort of tempted to say yes, mm. because you will always be fulfilled, because you don't have any challenging goals. Mm. I guess you're kind of living with the, you're kind of going with the assumption that not having ambition is the same as being sort of content with what you have. 
Um, and I think I think I feel that sometimes, like on a personal level, I feel that sometimes when like interacting with different generations is that like I could talk to people my age and they have a more open ended view of like what you could do, what jobs you could do, like how successful you could be at particularly things that interest you, like doing music, you know? I'm way more likely to get support from talking to a young person than talking to an older person with a different generation, like, who's probably more likely to kind of cast... Their their worldview is more likely to be, like... Well, you have a career for life and you stick with that and kind of... A bit, yeah. And, like, oh, it won't make you happy. And, uh, and it's, I suppose, yeah, so it's just, like, are they right? Are they, are they right that you should give up on exploring the world that the digital opens because it won't make you happy and you'd actually be happier if you were in your in your small town un- like ignorance is bliss kind of thing um, it's such a broad topic that I, I can't define it very well I, but that is in the song somewhere I kind of agree with them to a certain extent mm. um, because not having kind of access to this abundant world mm. um, just gets rid of any kind of um opportunity cost yeah so you don't have the opportunity to go out and create a platform and do something potentially creative or do something that genuinely fulfills you as a passion Mm. um and without the opportunity you wouldn't you wouldn't even consider it Mm. so you wouldn't you would be perfectly happy in a routine lifestyle Mm. not no not 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 routine lifestyle that's that's not a good way of putting it in a in a kind of small world in a town where you only kind of Mm. you don't really move that far and you don't have exposure to the rest of the world yeah I feel, I feel like, like I'm pinning everyone in our generation of like a, since this they is, live in a small town. We're, they, su- we're such Gen Zers, James. We're, yeah. we're really. I, I don't mean, mean it that way, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of exaggerated for a. It's, yeah, it's it's kind of pitting that worldview versus another, not a particular person or, yeah, hmm. it's a it, it could be a worldview. It could be a worldview of a younger person, but it's just that's the lens that like you most commonly see. Hmm. And it's like I've experienced, so yeah. I guess that's where it comes out. But it's definitely not generalising that everyone thinks like that. There's so many times I just wish I was a hunter gatherer. <laughs> just I don't, I don't not I don't know. no no kind of cares. I I, I don't think um, oh, hunter gatherers were perfectly happy. They were they obviously oh. had a far lower standard of life in terms of like hygiene and medicine and stuff. I mean that that didn't exist, but. In terms of their kind of expectations, and if they met those expectations, they probably did a pretty good job. Actually, Matt, I'm going to go completely off on a tangent here, but um, I can't remember his name. I have to dig it up, but the, he was on the Minimalist podcast, and he's the guy who wrote a book called Uncivilized, I think, okay. or something like that. But he basically makes the point that you're making that um, civilization demonized hunter-gatherers and previous... Um, society i wouldn't call them societies but previous kind of uh ways of living for humans mm-hmm. um they demonized them to kind of make society look better and and built up this picture that it was all savage and all these things but actually yeah like their health was good because society brings on a lot of things that give you bad health like brings on bad food and like long working hours and whatever hundreds of people crowded in the same place is not good for hygiene when you do not have a sewer system like it brings disease yeah. um like starvation people mm. can't like farm the land around yeah, them exactly. it's just, it's so just too, too many the moment people. they had sort of like farming of the land they brought actually like problems but like the kind of 
narrative that they put to get people to work on the farms was like, oh, everything's getting better. Um, mm. It was a super interesting podcast. You should, uh, Uncivilized I by Sawyer Bennett. Huh? Sawyer Bennett? Mm. I don't know if that was now. I'll look it up for you. We'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, I've not read it. I just heard him on a podcast and he was super interesting. Um, how, like, <laughs> it's really bad, but, like, yeah, society's not... <clears throat> Not all it's cracked up to be, uh, particularly like, yeah, older times where they were demonised all hunter gatherers. That said, I I struggle to fully accept that I would be happier as a hunter gatherer. Because um, whenever I see stuff of like a real, like real life in like a small town where like everyone knows everyone's business and, and whatever, it doesn't make, it doesn't fill me with kind of joy, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I love having opportunity, having like unexplored, um, like possibility, I guess. Um, and so that's why, like, a big part of me loves the digital world and loves the, the those sort of things. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of dubious. I think, I think that a pers- your perspective might be different in that situation. Mm. I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm just thinking you wouldn't know that there was a you there were missed opportunities. Mm. Your sense of exploration and wonder would come from I don't know the next town down the road or something. Be like oh what what's happening in that town? I or guess like, what's happening in the in the, in the next um, like mm. city? Um, <clears throat> what's happening in Leeds? What's happening in Liverpool? Mm. For like for example, you you'd be kind of intrigued by those kind of things. Mm. I think. What the, I mean, I'm, I might be I might be ridiculously off here, but I think what the digital age brings that wasn't there during the kind of non-digital ages is a mm. lot of distraction. Mm. So definitely. So yeah, there's more abundance and more opportunity, but there's a lot more distraction. Um, mm. So it's kind of, I don't know. I feel like the distraction, kind of, well, it distracts people. Mm. And they get um, stuck and paralysed and they can't do the thing they really want to pursue, which they know is there because they've seen it on their Facebook feed, um, but they're just stuck in wasting mm. time on other things on social media or wasting time living up to what they think mm. people want them to be. And yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's, it's hard, yeah. But I've got this sense that like I'm, I'm on this world once I want to see more than the neighbouring town like mm. you only I mean some people disagree on how many times you're on the world etc but like I feel like you get this one life you happen to be human you happen to be born in a particular place um, I feel like me personally if it, uh, I would I'd ideally like to become detached from the place I was born, detached from my nationality and stuff like that, and just true, yeah, truly be able to see like all the different bits of the world and get that feeling of wonder. I mean, I know you would get a feeling of wonder from going to the next town, but it can't be the same as like looking at Everest or something, or seeing a waterfall <clears throat> or seeing like nature. Um, I don't know. Perspe- I perspective really, tran- like, really yeah, yeah. sets everything up. So, I mean, maybe you're right, but maybe if you if 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 we grew up in Henley, where we 
grew up. Um, we did grow up there. <laughs> yeah, but if we grew up there like fifty years ago, and we, yeah. we went to, and we went to Manchester, and we heard someone with a Manchester accent, we'd be like, "Fuck." <laughs> I don't know. That's I, as I, good I, as Everest. <laughs> I, I don't know what blows people's minds yeah. in the in the sixties. Um, yeah, maybe like maybe something was always going to blow your mind. It just depended yeah. contextually what it was. I, I I really strongly believe in that, you know, because you you don't really have any kind of. There's no kind of inherent inherent kind of reason that some exotic country like going to, I don't know, Japan um, is more exciting than going to Liverpool for the first time. Because I mean, I've been to Japan, I've not been to Liverpool. For every, <laughs> <laughs> in every situation, you're experiencing like a new thing. Mm. Maybe how different it is contributes. Mm. Um I don't know, but perspective really um, affects how Absolutely. impressed you are by something mm. or how amazed you are. And it's the same with being grateful for stuff or like anything. Um, it's yeah, I like I like the stoic thing of like everything just happens. It's not good or bad, um, or the meditation thing where like you I don't know you look at a wall or a light or something, and like it's your brain that's tagging that light, whereas actually all you see is just a sort of beam of colour and shadow and stuff and um, everything apart that is like your brain kind of labelling stuff and putting opinions on everything like judging everything you see you know yeah um, but I don't know I, yeah, I, I do struggle but I think it's because I've been fortunate enough to like you know go to different places and mm. we do have the digital thing it's here whether we like it or not mm. you can opt out of it but um, kind of having seen the possibility I suppose that's instilled the, the lack, the the idea that a bigger, better goal yeah. is there, or a, a yeah. high, you know, a higher high. I don't know. I think a way to sort of bring this all together is to say that the digital social media age is so powerful if you just use it. If you kind mm. of take control of it. Mm. You said earlier that if you just scroll down your feed, it's Facebook's taking control of you. Mm. They are taking your attention from you and mm. showing you ads, and that's how they're generating revenue. But if you take Facebook and show people ads, you are going to generate <laughs> revenue. <laughs> Turn it around. I didn't mean everyone can <laughs> run ads. <laughs> you can use it. Uh, just use it intentionally. Just you, you go right. I'm, you're on like a war footing. Like I'm going into a battlefield <laughs> for my attention. Yeah. They're doing everything they can to keep me there for hours. Keep conscious. Keep like right. What am I here for? I mean, I'm bad at this. So like, yeah. you no, know, you can, yeah, you can just end up like scrolling for ages and yeah. saying like shit. Like I was watching random dross. Yeah. Um, which isn't Tukaneko. Tukaneko is. Tukaneko has depth. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to you got to go in there mindful that they're trying to win your attention and go in there with a purpose. Why did I come on Facebook? Like, what my, what's my intention? <clears throat> and my, maybe your intention is just to, like, relax and watch videos, but do it intentionally. Mm. Go, I'm here for... I'm here to relax. I'm here for, yeah, 15 minutes to, like, properly switch off and let them, mm. let Send them me take rats. me somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do recommend that people... Actually, I'm going to change. I do recommend people run some ads or at least understand it. Because your then understanding of other people advertising to you is so much deeper. I'm going to check dinner, but you carry on. This is, this is interesting. 
Um, just you, the moment you start to understand a bit of marketing, um, you see it everywhere. You see the techniques that they use. You see the. Um, you just notice like how prevalent it is in your life, I guess. Um, even stuff having logos on, like some of the minimalist people I follow are like no logo because. Uh, but it's actually quite hard to do. Like they, they is. You know, particularly on like clothes, say, try and get clothes that don't represent any logo. Like, I'm not going to attach me to a brand. I'm not broadcasting out a particular um, <laughs> personality or state of being based on a, a logo. Um, but logos are everywhere. It's hard to get rid of them. Logos. Hey, James. Hey. Well, I mean, yeah, logos. Logos, logos, logos. I was just saying that, like, you, you start marketing, you kind of realize the tricks and the tricks of the trade whatever and that, that partly adds but also like it's hard to escape marketing because everything's logos i was just looking around the room of all the fucking logos and everything um, and like it's quite hard to go logoless everyone's got a logo and a, a brand and they're trying to instill a sort of set of uh characteristics ideals wants um upon each you see they're trying to make you feel something you know with every interaction, every logo. So marketing's just there all the time, even if it's not an ad. This microphone has Zoom on it. And whatever that means. It's a company that makes microphones. <laughs> they haven't paid us for that. <laughs> and they're like, put that on the going like, this is a microphone that Zoom made, not anyone made, Zoom made. And we want you to, if this microphone works for you, that means Zoom must be people who make good microphones. Or even more pernicious than that, like Apple advertising to be for creatives. So to make even a non-creative person feel like an artist if they buy a Mac, you know? Everyone's creative. Uh, everyone's creative, they don't necessarily create. I agree. Everyone can create things. But I don't know very many people who making a podcast right now like out of my group I don't know we're the only people in my friendship group yeah and they're out there there's shitloads of people out there we just we just don't know them <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm saying like, everyone could be creative but like I wouldn't it sounds a bit over the top but I wouldn't put myself in the same category as a lot of people I know going oh we're all equally creative maybe we are but like what counts is creating like making uh, things mm. People create in different ways to what yeah. is just like art on the, like music mm. or video or um, mm. be, people are creative in different ways. It's not like a thing that you, you make art or you're not a person. But then how are you defining things. creative? Thinking or oh, this is this is this you you put me on the spot here, James. What are you saying? Oh, define creative. Oh, people create in different ways. I'm trying or, to extract what, what my subconscious feeling of creative is right now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's because I'm saying I see it, I see it as like making art, but and I don't deny that um, people are creative in different ways, and they can, uh, you know, there's a, a creativity or an artisticness to social interactions or to project how you, management how you made your breakfast this morning there's all sorts you can do but like i'm and maybe i'm talking about a more narrow definition of creative which is making art making media of some sort to communicate a message 
I see, the song. I, I, I mean, I see it very simply as thinking in a novel way. Because I think so. because uh, I mean I I that's that's self-explanatory to me. If you're thinking in another way, you are creating something. Mm. If you think in another way, when when it comes to I don't know, um, I said project management a second ago. But if you think in another way in terms of project management, you are being creative because mm. it's a new, at least a relatively new in your kind of circle way of thinking mm. and. Okay, well, I wasn't referring. I was referring to people who then take that to actually make, put stuff into the world, create things artistically. I mean, I'd say if you were um, creating like a new, innovative way to manage a project, that is putting something into the world through your creativity. Mm. So I think there's. I didn't necessarily discount that mm. the thing. I think I only discounted. It's like, oh, every single person's creative. But I don't think every single person is creating, mm. um, at least in the way that, that like, I don't know. Not in an obvious way. I feel like, I feel everyone has their kind of things they do yeah, differently. Definitely, definitely. And, they, and they might not share it with the world, but it's there. Mm. And, yeah, it's there and, and it might be in their personal lives mm. where they have a kind of thing that they do that's slightly different. But mm. but the only thing is, I think, to, to say it that way, kind of devalue, like, devalues a bit the people that put stuff out into the world like to go everyone's creative it to me makes puts on the same level someone who goes and puts their heart and soul into an album and records it and releases it and shares that with the world versus someone who had a good idea for project management if you go I mean I I don't want to put it I know you like I don't really get the use of putting them all under the same umbrella because I want to give credit to the people who are actually... Mm. I, I, I think you're right, but I think you need a different word for the... I mean, you've got the word artists, which mm. would distinguish a project manager to a, a kind nah, of but band. I had a kebab made by an artist. It was the, yeah, it well, was you, the you, most you, artistically made kebab ever. Okay, we, we, you, we you need to... You could not call that... That person a kebab maker. We need, we need, we need, to, we need to sort definitions here, James. Because we're going to argue about semantics. Yes, you could apply what you... I mean, you could apply the word artist to a kebab maker to add drama to your... <laughs> you were there, it was dramatic. So it what, what, what you've done there is dramatise <laughs> a creative chef. No, I just described the drama that they created <laughs> with making the kebab. It was it was balletic. <laughs> so the kebab was all right tasting as well. I have no problem putting a project manager who has created an innovative way of managing mm. a project on the same level as an artist mm. who has created an album. They put their heart and soul into an album. Mm. That album is as valuable as this project plan mm. to that per- to the person who made it. The utility so. in the world might so. be different. I mean, I, I guess so. I, and you I can just... romanticize kind of like music and literature and and like painting mm. to make them like sexy and project management is just a utilitarian thing. But people are passionate about all things. Uh, about yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying they're not passionate. I, I'm, but for me personally, I, I want to. I differentiate between them mm. because, like, one is. At least in that example, it feels like one is designed to 
be functional and one is designed to make you feel something, make you think differently. Mm. Um, and uh, like art to me is a, is a, a non-useful thing. Like, like someone's making something that's not useful to your survival or your career or something. Like they put their, like, like we put this conversation out just for like other people to listen to and follow on and kind of think about and hopefully like, yeah, provoke a new idea in them or, or whatever. We put a song out to go, you know what, like I feel like this and maybe you do or don't feel like this. Um, I just, I'm uncomfortable with the, I did they just go, yeah, but that's, that's no more, that's no more special than, uh, I don't know, a, yeah, a person who makes a project manifest. I'm not saying that that's not, no, but like you're kind of reducing it to the point where it's just like, oh, well, anything's novel. Someone who walks with a limp is created in the art of walking. No, I'm, I, I, I'm not saying that. <laughs> because unless that person is deeply passionate about um, their gait. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to be with limps. That was a, the example I picked. <laughs> deeply passionate. I mean... Let's let's not use that example, but I think that creativity is driven by passion in a subject, mm. and any kind of anything that is made or created through passion is a worthwhile thing to bring into the world. Mm. And I I I get your point around artist art music film. Um, paintings, whatever, whatever, whatever kind of classical art form it is, um, does is, is kind of made to evoke emotion. In mm. a lot of cases, <laughs> um, and that is different to a, I don't know, some random project management mm. thing. I work in project management. If anyone's wondering why we're using that example, <laughs> that's my day job. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't think we agree. I think we just disagreed on the use of the word, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so it's I'd, an interesting topic. But, but we need a new, um, a new, a new lexicon for <laughs> this. Mm. I mean, it's artist. Artist is what I think that's different. Like mm. you can be creative, but you don't have to be an artist to be creative. Mm. I think I've just heard the word artist used in the way like you're thinking of it. That like anyone could be an artist, and that. I think it's a Seth Godin thing, like, anyone could be an artist, and by the way, that doesn't mean you have to be great at painting, it just means you have to put, like, above and beyond the call of duty passion or um, thought, but mm. again, it is, like, overlaying, like, emotion onto onto something, so, like... Yeah, emotion's a big... A big I th yeah, I think it's that. this functional part of it, and this putting yourself into it, you know? Um, I think a, a conversation can be artistic, um... So I don't know, but 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 don't you feel satisfied when a when a when a when a good clean project is completed on time and on budget? Yeah, it's just rephasing. <laughs> <laughs> None of my projects when I did project management were ever were ever completed on the original time and the original budget, but they were on time and on budget because we changed the time and the budget <laughs> until we hit them. <laughs> that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so we're a long way in um, to this. Uh, this Let's just um, video. bring up those um, palate cleansers that I mentioned. <laughs> the interludes. First of all, <laughs> tungsten. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, it's not. The interludes. The interludes is so shit. Oh, Imagine being the interludes. When we're famous enough to have a side project that we want to like sneak into a pub with, you know? When we're like playing Wembley Stadium and they're like, oh, let's just sneak off and do a lunchtime gig. Like, we're going to be called the interludes. Because <laughs> no one would go watch it. Fucking hell. <laughs> tungsten light bulbs. Yes. They are the most commonly used light bulbs. So you were correct in saying tungsten light bulbs. But, um... I mean, the, the only other fact that I have on them is that their light is around 32,000 Kelvin is their heat sort of light signature. And that makes it look quite natural and outdoorsy and that's why people have them. Oh. Oh. My other... Interludes. Ooh, the Interludes. New album coming now. <laughs> Track two on the Interludes EP. <laughs> Track two of... James and Harry's discussion on what we're... What we're drinking tonight, James. Boozing. So this is... Is this the first podcast that we've done under the influence of alcohol, James? I highly doubt so. No, I think it is. Remember when we were going to buy lav mics and do all our podcasts in the pub? Yeah, then COVID hit and we couldn't. And we 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 decided it was probably a bad idea, like, to get to four four or five pints and just be like, so, I love Toucan Echo. Like, I get very, very (laughs) incoherent. I say like ten times more than I do in normal time. No, no, we'll we'll do it. We'll do it as a series. It'll be called the Pubcast, and it's going to be great. Oh yeah, that's good. And we were going to review the pubs we're in, like much like we did that coffee shop podcast uh, in that coffee shop. I don't remember the name of, but we reviewed it, and it was a nice coffee Doppio? shop. Doppio, 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 South Ealing. Check it out; it does good coffee. No, it's South Ealing. No, West. Was it West? Yeah, it was near my old house. Irrelevant to the podcast. I don't believe that. So, um, anyway, James and I are drinking whiskey tonight, because I'm a big whiskey fan. <laughs> yeah, it's got, you've got your new glass that... These, the these are, um, the, for those in the know, they all know what a Glen Cairn glass is. So, a Glen Cairn glass, for those who don't know... <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> Much like this whiskey I'm drinking right now, James. For those in the know, who'll know what a Glen Cairn glass is, they'll know. <laughs> but for those who don't know... <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, a Glen Clang. As soon as I said my drinking, it's just deteriorated. We haven't drunk very much at all, but you just sound pissed. A Glen Clang glass (laughs) is a glass that has a bulb shape to it, which captures the nose, aka smell of the whiskey, and enhances the general drinking experience. I can smell it a lot more than usual. So it's not, I'm drinking a. called Amrit Fusion. It's a whiskey from India, believe it or not. It's delicious. And James has got a... Um, a Japanese one. Centauri Toki. Can I have some more of that, actually? Yeah. Centauri Toki, um, okay, which is... Just, just a little bit. <clears throat> Centauri Toki is a great whiskey because it's light for a beginner. You can just drink this down. Yeah. No problem. There's no sort of burn or... Unpleasantness. Unpleasantness. Um, it's good. Centauri Toki. Amrit Fusion. Cool. I think let's cover the video. Unless yeah. you have any more interludes. And that was it. Um, I think let's have um, a look. Wait, hang on. I'm going to rate these out of 10. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm going to rate these out of <laughs> 1. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, me and Harry have a binary system of rating stuff just to get you to commit to good or bad. Um, so if, if something's good, it's a 1. If it's bad, it's a 0. And like you've just got to make a decision. Is it good? Is it bad? The logic is everything's black and white. If you like something, i.e., it's like a seven out of ten plus, you're probably gonna experience it again. So just give it a one. And if it's less than a seven, 
not worthwhile, so it's a zero. Hopefully it may you upgrade your standards in your life. Anyway, both these whiskies are a one in my mind. How about you, James? Well, this is a one. Well, there we go. I haven't tried the other one. <laughs> Assume it's a one. Ooh. Maybe I'll try it. Hmm. Smells like paint. <laughs> okay, here we this, this might not go well. Honestly, it smells like something familiar. But it feels paint-like. You know what, I actually quite like it. There we go. It reminds me, the aftertaste reminds me of the campfire. Mm, it's, it's, it's a peated whiskey, Smoky. so it's got that smokiness to it. Mm. Um, out of one? I feel like I'm, I'm getting flashbacks to like cubs <laughs> and cooking baked beans <laughs> in a can by a fire. Wow, evocative. Yeah. Smell triggers memory. Cool. Digital native video. I'm conscious that we've talked for ages. Podcasts can be long, James. I'm, I'm not worried about the length of this podcast. Yeah, if they've listened... 53 minutes. That's not, that's not that bad. <clears throat> I've listened to a four and a half hour Joe Rogan podcast and enjoyed every minute of it, so... We're, we're barely even cracking Who the eggshell of this one, James. Uh, Sam Harris. <laughs> oh, right. <I> bet <laughs> they didn't feel like a compatible pair, like, did, it, did they get on well? Yeah, psychedelics is a bonding uh, um, yeah. point, because um, Joe Rogan's into his... Um, Oh, what's it called? The, the the tank where you have no sensations. Where you float in lukewarm water uh, and, 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 and like those. Sensory tank? Or yeah, something like that. Tank, um, and that can induce like a kind of psychedelic experience. And Sam Harris is very into psychedelics because that induces an out-of-body kind of, Loss of the transcendental... Actually, I'd love to do a Tukinoko podcast on meditation. Oh. That kind of journey, that would be cool. Next Thursday, that'll be out. <laughs> um... Because that's another thing I want to sort of rant to people about, but it's quite, it's quite hard to. <clears throat> it's hard. You want to tell them about all the benefits of it and all the interesting things you find out, but you also don't want to like turn them off from it. Anyway, let's save that from the meditation podcast because we've got to get to the digital native video. Yeah, back to digital native. We've been a long tangent. We've been round the round the houses on this mm, one, mm. but we're back. We were talking about digital nature this whole time. You may not have realised. Yeah, you may have got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> but we were focused on task. <laughs> also, we sound drunk, but like we haven't drunk anything. I mean, I'm on my fourth glass of whiskey. Oh, yeah. okay, maybe you're drunk. <laughs> I'm fine. I haven't had that idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. Digital nature video. So, um, when was it? Was it Monday or Tuesday? This week. We set up our studio in our living room to be a kind of film music studio. Um, did we do something at the weekend? We did some on oh, Sunday evening. Actually, yeah. I think we did the first shot on Sunday evening. Yeah. Um, so what's so, so what's the concept behind Digital Native? The the video at least. What's the kind of well, idea? The concept is driven by the fact that we're in lockdown and we only have the flat. So what can we do that's <laughs> interesting, but we don't have like new location anything like that so you have to kind of work within the limitations that you have um the song's obviously obviously digital native so like we took a kind of technology angle to the video um and i mean i just sort of built up from pieces it wasn't like a big vision it was like i always like for some reason i like a sort of top-down angle video i've always had the kind of ideas around doing music videos that are looking down upon like sort of lying down something like that 
um, like ceiling view, if you know what I mean. Um, that's always been a bit interesting. We've not really done that kind of thing before. So it kind of started with that and then it was like, then, oh, we could have a video within a, within a video. So kind of representing a bit of the, the mm. screen life. But mm. like, what are you watching? What's what's the real world? What's the virtual world? So we've sort of created two videos sandwiched mm. together into one. So one main video on a screen plus mm. us beached yeah. by technology around it, yeah. I guess. So so imagine two people just lying on the floor, surrounded by technology objects, laptops, phones, cameras. I mean, we put a vinyl player in there because it looked cool. VR headsets, um, just jaded, completely just lying on the floor, almost comatose but not, just kind of looking around dead. <laughs> and in the middle is an iPad floating. I mean, by this point, I hope you have watched the video. I mean, you should check it out. I'm sure it'll be out soon. Um, <laughs> iPad floating in the middle with also James and Harry singing the song mm. like a sort of early 2000s music video, mm. um, black and white slow motion. It's it's glorious. Pretty cool. Um, it's, it kind of feels like... The, the, the main message that I get from it is everything's going on on the devices, i.e. Mm. the video is really like energetic on the iPad. Mm. But outside of that, in the real world, it's dead. Mm. It looks like a sort of digital wasteland. Mm. Um, and the, the coolest bit for me is that the, the scene outside the iPad... So you can get... Just like a real screen, you get like drawn into the screen in within this video. Mm. But like, there's the odd movement that we that like the beached. Uh, what did you describe it as? What you described it as really good. Jaded, comatose, jaded, comatose yeah. and jaded uh, The yeah. jaded James and Harry, like we kind of like twitch or something, and like it catches your eye outside of the video. So it's a, I think it's a pretty good representation for a, a song that we said was sort of about <laughs> digital <laughs> stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's a really cool, um, like we put like, it's usually hard to pull off these things as well as I have them in my head. Because um, bits of it I imagine in my head of like, you know, looking down and stuff. Um, but this is like dead on what I thought it could be. So mm. I'm very excited. I'm excited too. I think it's going to be good. So digital native video, definition of creative, sort of unresolved. We sort of agree, we just disagree on the word. Semantics. Um, happiness. <laughs> happiness. Should you just stay stay without all the crazy opportunity of digital things? Mm. Run Facebook ads to learn about marketing. Tungsten lights. Amrit Fusion. Suntory Toki. One. One. We are <laughs> Toucan Echo. Good night. <laughs> That's the best end of a podcast we've ever done. <laughs> what a summary. <laughs>